In the spring of 1989, university students in Beijing, China, began a large wave of protests against the government. It was a long time coming. China's slow transition from old-school communism to a more market-driven economy was messy, leaving a lot of young people behind. On top of that, this more liberal economy also made people want a more democratic government to go along with it, with more freedom of speech, more freedom of the press, the right to assembly. From Shanghai to Hong Kong and Macau, cities across China joined in with their own protests in solidarity with the movement. I have a personal connection with this, actually. I was only a year old then, but at the time, my mom and dad were living in Macau. The region was only a decade away from being handed over from Portugal back to Chinese rule, and people were looking at the government's handling of the protests in Beijing as a potential sign of things to come in Macau. Here's my mom. Hong Kong and Macau is already panicking about the turnover to China. People are are demonstrating outside. There's a lot of those in the street. Papa and I went to watch, even though we want to to join, but we're afraid that there might be some commotion, something like that. How did you feel about it? We didn't want. No, we were afraid about the communism. The light will not be the same as what we're experiencing. By May of that year, the protests were escalating. Students were going on hunger strikes now, and they were occupying a large city square in the center of Beijing. The square lent itself well to large gatherings and was already well known for hosting other famous protests in history. Also, even though I've been calling it a square, the whole thing is really more of a rectangle. It's a massive open area, and to give you a sense of its size, the space can fit enough football fields for all 32 teams in the NFL to be practicing on their own field at the same time, and still have room for eight more. On the north and south ends of the square are these two enormous gates that were built in the 15th century. The southern gate is usually just referred to as the front gate, or Tianmen. The northern gate is the one that the square is named for, the Gate of Heavenly Peace. Or as it's known in Chinese, Tiananmen. You're probably familiar with what happened next. On June 4th, the Chinese government launched a brutal crackdown on the protesters in the square. It also led a decades-long campaign to cover up the massacre that followed. Hello, I'm Lionel Nicolau, and I'm Alana Whites, and this is Culture Jumpers: stories about making the jump from one cultural context to another. Today on the show, two stories about how the Chinese government censors politically sensitive topics, from Tiananmen Square to pop culture. First, a social media influencer in China hosts a live event and accidentally crosses a red line with ice cream. And second, we'll look at Chinese censorship in action ourselves by watching China's edit of Fight Club. If you want to understand China's censorship system in the internet era, it's important to first understand just how different using the internet in China is compared to what we experience in America. First, the most popular apps and websites in China are not the names from Silicon Valley you're probably familiar with, and that's because pretty early on, China made a conscious choice to favor homegrown companies over foreign ones for most of its online services. So the top search engine in China isn't Google; it's a site called Baidu. Instead of Amazon and eBay for shopping, it's Alibaba and its subsidiaries Taobao and Tmall. Instead of Twitter, it's Weibo. How about Facebook and Instagram? 
Nope, it's WeChat. Even TikTok is different. Even though it's owned by a Chinese company, people in China actually use its sister version called Douyin, which looks mostly the same but has more functionality than TikTok. But it's not just what people use on the internet in China that's very unfamiliar. The second major difference is how people use the internet. So Alana, you know how here in America, social media influencers they sometimes promote sponsored products on Facebook and Instagram. On Instagram, are you talking about the hashtag ad posts? Yeah, yeah. But actually, even that's kind of an outdated version at this point. They've already taken things to the next level. So. Both Facebook and Instagram have had this live shopping feature where you could live stream yourself doing product demos, and people could actually buy the products in the app during the stream. So basically, young people reinvented QVC. I mean, basically, yeah, it's QVC or Home Shopping Network, but it's reborn on social media instead of TV. But the thing to understand about China is that they're light years ahead of us in this trend. So the U.S. did something like six billion dollars in live stream sales in 2020, and that sounds like a lot, but China actually did more than 20 times that in the same year. Influencers in China just push products on a scale that we can only dream of here in America, and no one does it better than Li Jiaqi. 所有女神们，今天这条视频给大家介绍李佳琦觉得二零一九年上半年必买的大牌口红榜单的前十名，你们准备 ？So Li Jiaqi, he also goes by Austin Lee. He's one of the biggest influencers in China. He sells all kinds of different products, but one product he's famous for in particular is lipstick. Actually, so in this clip, he's live demoing several different shades of lipstick from big name luxury brands. And when I say he's demoing, he's putting the lipstick on his lips and pursing his lips for the camera. Like here, he tries on one lipstick from Tom Ford. And here, he's trying one on from Chanel. 就是香奈儿这几年这涂出来真的很舒服，就巨舒服，美不美？好看吗 ？He's saying like, isn't it beautiful? Doesn't it look good? His fans have even given him the nickname. Kohongika, which literally means lipstick bro, <laughs> he even has a catchphrase, and it goes something like, "Oh my god, buy it, buy it." This is just, oh my god, really, this is buy it, buy it, buy it, buy it, buy it. I don't know if it's because of this weird hoedown music in the background, but this reminds me of like those corny like. Car salesman commercials. It's just—it's so loud, and there's just like things popping all over the screen, like little animations, or like those monster truck ads, like Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> He actually tried to trademark the phrase. Oh my God, my ta, my ta. It's like his version of Paris Hilton's "That's Hot." To put it into perspective, just how big he is. One time, he sold 1.7 billion dollars worth of products through his page during a single live stream. That's hot. <laughs> yeah, and it takes QVC about two months to make that much revenue. Austin Lee did it in 12 hours. Oh my god, amazing! Just a very unbelievable. But then, on June 3rd, 2022, the night before the anniversary of the Tiananmen Square massacre, Austin was doing a live stream on Taobao with another co-host. You see them bring a plate of ice cream cake into view, and it's a scoop of ice cream, a chocolate straw, and some Oreos arranged into the shape of a military tank. 
，是什么东西？一会儿一会儿一会儿，一会儿就。但一定要记得在我们直播间看最后十一点，李佳琦跟我还不在这个位置上。And then the live stream just stops. Viewers thought it was just a glitch at first, but then people started noticing that they couldn't search for any hashtags related to Austin on social media either. His account put up a message saying, "We can't continue tonight's broadcast because of technical difficulties, so we're ending early." And that's it. A couple days later, Austin didn't show up to a previously scheduled live stream either. A week passed, two weeks, still nothing. And that brings us to the third way that China's internet is fundamentally different from ours. What Austin Lee ran into was the Great Firewall of China. Since China created the bulk of its internet infrastructure from the ground up, and its dominant internet companies are all domestic, it has much more control over what's allowed and what's not. This is a super simplified explanation, but basically, the government is able to inspect all internet traffic for certain keywords and phrases, and restrict people from searching or posting about those terms. On top of that, it can intercept traffic and redirect users away from websites that it sees as problematic. And every year, around the anniversary of the Tiananmen Square massacre, China gets very sensitive about content attempting to reference the event, particularly the iconic Tank Man photo. You've probably seen the photo at some point. It was nominated for a Pulitzer Prize, and it gets referenced in pop culture a lot. It features a lone man standing directly in front of a line of tanks as they try to move in to break up the protests. It's become a symbol for human rights struggles around the world. And while it's unclear whether Austin Lee was trying to reference Tank Man, the very notion that he chose that night to feature a dessert in the shape of a tank on his live stream, well. Most media commentators aren't buying the official technical difficulty story. They think he was censored. The irony is, Austin Lee was born three years after the protests in Tiananmen Square in mainland China. Like more than half a billion other Chinese citizens born after 1989, he's probably never heard any mention of it in the media or his education throughout his entire life. In fact, it's quite possible that he wasn't even aware that it ever happened. Austin went offline in early June of 22, and he didn't reappear until late September. Going radio silent for a few weeks, let alone a few months, is an eternity for a live streamer. And it wasn't like he announced that he was taking a social media break either. To make a guy completely disappear for that long, especially a huge celebrity like Austin, at least in my mind, it seemed like a huge overreaction by the government. Like, haven't Chinese officials heard of the Streisand effect? That trying to cover something up just makes people more curious about it. I spoke to an analyst from China Digital Times, Eric Liu, who is actually a former content moderator for Weibo. While language barriers prevented us from doing a recorded interview. He did agree to talk with me over Twitter, and he said, "Yeah, they're very much aware of the Streisand effect in China. The thing is, though, the government doesn't actually believe they can keep everyone from learning about the thing they're trying to censor. Sure, it'd be nice if they could, but they know that's not realistic. The real reason they go so hard on reacting to these events is to create a chilling effect. 
one that makes people so afraid or so unwilling to put up with the trouble they might get into that they end up censoring themselves. The fourth way the internet is different in China is good old-fashioned content censorship. So it probably comes as no surprise that, besides censoring the things that people search for or post on the internet, the Chinese government also tries to influence what reaches people's eyeballs through the media and entertainment. And my favorite example of that was the release of Fight Club in China earlier this year. Okay, so Ilana, how much do you remember about the plot of Fight Club? Ooh, I'm about to disgrace high school edgy me who had the poster on her wall, <laughs> which is ironic given that it's a anti-consumerist movie. Um, I guess the super quick synopsis is uh, Edward Norton is this boring guy working this boring corporate job and he kind of hates his life. And he meets this like really exciting dude named Tyler Durden, played by Brad Pitt, and he starts telling him all of this stuff about how consumerism is terrible and it's ruining society and people are just so worried about buying shit that they don't need and just working to buy the next piece of ikea furniture rather than like actually doing anything useful in life right and they end up like fist fighting each other in the parking lot just for funsies i guess and then a bunch of dudes start seeing this and want to get in on it and so they form this whole like fight club and then it kind of morphs into this weird revolutionary terrorist group where they're just looking to like overthrow society and free people of the financial constraints on their lives by like i guess blowing up the financial buildings i don't that part's a little fuzzy to me he's blowing up the banks yeah and then kind of at the end ed norton realizes that the whole time tyler durden has been this figment of his own imagination and is like this split personality and he realizes that he has to like kill Tyler Durden to free himself and ends up like shooting himself in the face as the bombs start going off. Yeah, that's a pretty good quick synopsis. So Fight Club came out in the US in 1999, but it just premiered in China at the beginning of 2022. I'm sorry, did you say 1999? No, no, no. Yeah. No, no. no. It was 23 years ago. No, it was not. It was like five. It is old enough to drink. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so old. It just graduated college. Stop talking. Yeah, so it was a direct-to-streaming situation. Uh, It aired on Tencent Video, which is China's equivalent of, like, Netflix. But they made some slight changes to the ending of the movie. So I want to play that altered ending for you. But before I do that, I'm just going to play the original ending of Fight Club real quick to refresh everybody's memory of how it goes. So to set the scene, we're going to start it where Brad Pitt and Edward Norton, they're in an abandoned floor of a tall building. Brad Pitt's character, Tyler Durden, he's planted bombs all over the city, and they're about to go off. Tyler. I want you to really listen to me. Okay. My eyes are open. And then Edward Norton sticks a gun into his own mouth, and... Shoots himself through the cheek, which kills Brad Pitt. His girlfriend, who's played by Helena Bonham Carter, finds him. What happened? I would ask. You're shot. Yes, shot. 
as Edward Norton realizes that he's finally free of his split personality and that he's going to be okay. I'm really okay. He and Helena Bonham Carter watch the bombs go off like a fireworks show. Okay, so that was the original. Now I'm going to play the version that aired in China, and let's uh, let's see if you can spot the difference. I can't even imagine how this is different. I want you to really listen to me. My eyes are open. What is happening? <laughs> okay, so a wall of text just came up on the screen. Wait, through the clue provided by Tyler, the police rapidly figured out the whole plan and arrested all criminals, successfully preventing the ball from exploding. After the trial, Tyler was sent to lunatic asylum, receiving psychological treatment. He was discharged from the hospital in 2012. <laughs> the police rapidly figured out the whole plan and arrested all criminals. He prevented the singular bomb from exploding. <laughs> so basically, there's this statute, Article 25 of the Chinese Film Administration Regulations, specifying that films cannot propagate obscenity, gambling, or violence, or a bet to commit obscenity? crimes. Yeah, obscenity. Obscenity? Is that really how you say it? <laughs> yes. But it's obscene. Obscene. Yeah, that word has an E on the end. Obscenity does not. Whatever. So, <laughs> cannot propagate obscenity, gambling, or violence, or a, a bet to commit crimes. <laughs> Basically, because of that, you know, you can't have the bad guy winning and causing massive destruction and mayhem. Yeah, that's like the away. old Hollywood Hayes Code. It was the same rules in Hollywood for the longest time. There was a whole list of censorship things. If you wanted to have your movie approved and distributed by the Hollywood system, you had to abide by certain things. And part of it was like the good guys had to win and the bad guys always had to get punished. And there were rules about like what you could show in terms of sex and stuff. It was like before the MPAA existed, it was the Hayes Code. So we weren't actually that far off. Yeah, except that ended like 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay, are you ready for another example? There's more. Yeah, so this one's from the small screen. The TV show Friends made the news in 2021 when it hit streaming services in China because of some of the changes that they made. So for one, they cut anything related to LGBTQ themes from the show. So, for example, the character Ross has an ex-wife named Carol who leaves him when she realizes she's a lesbian. But in China, she gets completely left out. Wait, they cut Carol? They have a kid together. It's a storyline <laughs> that covers multiple seasons. How do they just cut her out? Also, sorry for the spoilers, but if you're not in China, you've had like 20 years to watch it at this point. Sorry, not sorry. Right, right. But uh, then on top of that, they try to censor some themes having to do with sex and like sometimes it just has these ridiculous results. So in season one, episode five, the episode opens with all the characters debating who has it better, men or women. All right, there, as far as I'm concerned, there is nothing a guy can do that even comes close. Am I right here? Oh, come on. You guys can pee standing up. We can? Okay, I'm trying that. <laughs> There's a brief silence as all the friends are thinking, and then finally Ross comes up with one final trump card for why women have it better. Multiple orgasms. 
Except in the version that aired in China, this line was subtitled as endless gossips. What? I mean, first of all, that is a huge downgrade. And just the levels of misogyny in that would take a dissertation to unpack. Like, gossip as a reason women have it better than men. Like, what does that even mean? Like, make it make sense. Well, I don't think you're aware, but, you know, in Chinese culture... Women don't have orgasms, so what? You know, that's it would be silly to portray that on screen, so, you know. I mean, it doesn't really happen in American media either, but... Also, they didn't even change the English audio, they just <laughs> changed the captions, so anyone in China who had a decent grasp of English was like, um, that is not what he just said. And I hope one of those people put out a bootleg version explaining what actually was said. Yeah, and basically this is all because the governing body for Chinese television, they put out these guidelines in 2016 that banned, quote, abnormal sexual relations, rude behaviors such as incest, homosexual perversion, sexual assault, sexual abuse and harassment, etc., as well as unhealthy views on marriage and love, such as extramarital love, one-night stand, sexual freedom, etc. <laughs> so, in China, enjoying sex, being gay, having sex for not baby-making purposes, all completely equal to incest and sexual assault. Yeah, it's pretty messed up. Granted, we have plenty of people here in the U.S. with similar views who'd love to see the same content censored here. But for the most part, our media are a lot more permissive. So, like, I'm just trying to think of other friends' storylines that might run afoul of these guidelines. And, like, Chandler has a dad who's a drag queen, and it's this huge multi-season arc about their relationship and him coming to terms with all of that. So, like, is that whole thing just completely cut out? I mean, I guess. <laughs> and then, like, there's this storyline where Phoebe becomes a surrogate for her brother and gives birth to his babies. And there's this whole question about, like, whether it's awkward or whether it's cool. And, like, what is China's policy on that? Is that considered duty to family? So it's fine? Or is it just, like, freaks people out, so let's cut it? I just, I have so many questions. Is that an abnormal relation? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. But uh, viewers in China, they knew that something was changed, actually, because this wasn't the first time that Friends has been available on streaming in China. It was actually made available in 2013 on streaming services, which was before these guidelines were put out. So people had watched the original with, you know, everything in it. And now that it's back and it's been changed, people are like, what the heck? So in China, the Mandela effect is like, a real thing. Like, people have had two completely different experiences of the same show, <laughs> and it actually happened. Yeah, I mean, there was a big complaint about it. A bunch of people went to Twitter, and there was like a hashtag to restore their original friends. And I don't think it went anywhere, but they were just having this serious Mandela effect of like, why is this different? Reading the coverage in Western media of how China censors movies and TV shows, it's easy for us in America to laugh at it. Like, haha, China's so ridiculous for making these completely nonsensical changes to our media. But you know, it's not like the US doesn't have a long history of media censorship either. And on top of that, when the news came out about the changes to Fight Club in China, Chuck Palahniuk, the original author of the book that the movie was based on, 
pointed out that the book is actually banned in a lot of public school libraries here in America. And right now, censorship has this renewed energy in the United States. In Florida, after the Don't Say Gay bill was passed, a high school started investigating one of its students for giving a presentation on the Stonewall riots and queer history. Iowa passed a law in 2021 severely restricting how structural racism and implicit bias get talked about in schools, as well as in diversity training. And even when it seems like the letter of the law is narrow in its scope or reasonable on its surface, I keep remembering what Eric Leo told me. There's not just about the things that explicitly get banned. It's the ripple effect of all the topics you no longer talk about, because you're censoring yourself. A few years ago, NPR reporter Louisa Lim went to China and interviewed some students at Beijing University. Only 15 out of 100 recognized the image of the tank man and what it meant. I remember when I read that, I just got the sinking feeling in my stomach. Many people assume that when countries open up their economies, democratic governments inevitably follow. But China has been proving that not only is it possible to have both capitalistic markets and an authoritarian government, but also that it's possible to do at scale in the largest country in the world. If there's a bright spot here, though, it's that these bans haven't gone unnoticed, even in China. Just a few weeks after the altered version of Fight Club started streaming on Tencent Video, fans in China who had seen the original took notice, and there was a vocal backlash. So vocal that the government relented and the original ending was restored. I've been thinking a lot about what the Tank Man meant in the grand scheme of things. When you think about it, he didn't really win that battle. Those tanks in front of him eventually got to where they needed to go, and he couldn't stop the massacre that happened later that day. The government is as strong as ever, and they're pretty close to effectively erasing him from history in China. What he did do, though, was make them pause, for just a few seconds. And for that moment, he made them look vulnerable. And all these years later, they're still afraid of him. Why else would they try so hard to keep Chinese citizens from learning about him? That's got to count for something, right? Today's episode of Culture Jumpers was written and hosted by Alana Whites and me, Lionel Nicolau. We're produced and edited by Alana Whites and myself. Music by Alana Whites and me. Special thanks to Eric Leo of China Digital Times. The episode was fact-checked by Alana Whites. On that note, in the episode, Alana mentioned that the Hayes Code ended 30 years ago. The Hayes Code actually ended in 1968. As we've established, we have no sense of time and we'll always think the 90s were 10 years ago. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.
he's doing this thing where he's putting on lipstick and stuff like you know how back in the day like Shakespearean actors all the women were played by men but like in the context that's not like drag or like gay culture or anything that's just like an accepted thing and I don't know if it's that or if it is read as like feminine but they just turned the other eye at it you just mixed two phrases it's turn a blind eye or turn the other cheek it's not turn the other eye turn the other eye 